Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's brand, why is Horizon terrible now? It's not terrible, Scott Silver. So. It's in a weird spot, but it's not terrible. I just don't. I, well, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. This is the wind up. I'm Scott Tilford. That's Josh Brown. Good morning, Scott Tilford. Hello, good morning, good evening, and good night. We'll talk about the state of Horizon things because Horizon Forbidden West DLC is finally out called Burning Shores. Um, and we'll get to some other games as well. Um, always on the wind up, we go back and forth on various games, various news topics. Now, the only thing in the industry right now is a story from a couple of days ago about the state of Microsoft and Xbox and how upset they are about the performance of Xbox and whatever and whether or not that's actually true there's a bit of back and forth going on um, with some dudes from Xbox doing a bit of damage control so I'm going to hopefully do a video on that after we've done the podcast um, so please go over to the uh, YouTube channel to find those things um, speaking of games though Burning Shores is uh, burning itself into my brain <laughs> as a thing that I don't want to play that, through that's usually a good thing isn't it when something burns it should it be. itself into your brain but like I'm, a, I'm taking it from your tone that it's a bad thing for a you. hot poker I, I abandoned this game like this DLC last night now I should clarify that I Door Zero Dawn. I think it's one of the best, literally one of the best New Age games ever made. I love Horizon Zero Dawn. I love the way it's written. I love Aloy. I love the uh, philosophical depth to the writing in there, the questions it poses about what do we leave behind? What would people find from the remnants of humanity if you encapsulated us right now into a big old time capsule and buried us? I love all that stuff. And none of that's in Forbidden West, which is why I didn't like it at all. <laughs> and I feel like Horizon overall, um, to get on the old soapbox, um, is just so stretched out and stretched thin and made more corporate to um, sustain the TV show they're going to be doing and to sustain the VR game that they're going to be doing and it just feels like it waters down what was uh, initially this really good poignant IP that now in Forbidden West and in Burning Shores is just just more of it do you want some more of it here's more stuff right I'm excited to talk about this because like you said you've been playing through the DLC as yes. of now you've abandoned it but I bet you go back I'm going to go back because it's me it's you you need to know what's going on <sighs> that bit with the dates though and the globe well we'll get what to it what the hell is that we'll get to it Sony sent through a copy as well which I took and I've yes. completed the DLC as well. And I'm, I'm more positive on it than you, but I still think it's a bit of a mixed bag and mm. I will be doing a proper review, hopefully, on that as well. But mm. to just talk about it right now, it is more Horizon and that is kind of what we should have expected perhaps. But, you know, with it being a PS5 only bit of content, mm. I was kind of hoping that they would reinvent the wheel at least a little bit, give us a taste of what the third Horizon game could be. Mm. But I'm in a weird space with the, franchise overall because I like Forbidden West more than I like Zero Dawn right but I know that you're coming from it from a more of a kind of fan perspective and more passionate about the original in a way that mm -hmm. I 
wasn't. So, Scott Tilford, I know we talked about this when the game came out last year, but yes. what did Forbidden West do fundamentally differently with the story characters of framing that kind of lost something for you? Because in my opinion, it was the better game, and I uh, loved it so much. To me, it's entirely in the writing. Okay. Um, the way the Forbidden West and Burning Shores is written, or Horizon is written overall now, just feels like cosplay. It doesn't feel like they live in that space. Zero Dawn, if you go back to Zero Dawn, I went back to the beginning of it to be like, am I losing my mind? Was it always written like this? It wasn't. Zero Dawn felt way more like they lived in that space. And you get bits of that in the DLC where they're using terminology, they're using phrases that must come from the um, the culture, the tribe that are in that area at the time. But for the most part, across Forbidden West and across the vast majority of Burning Shores, they're just talking like you would right now. And I just, and it's the same kind of quips, the same swear words, the same approach to everything, the same kind of comedy that's almost like Marvel comedy or Disney comedy or whatever the hell we want to call it. Like just very beige writing. Um, and I feel like that wasn't the case in Zero Dawn. And I feel like um, Aloy had a lot more sort of fire to her in Zero Dawn. Obviously, she was very angry, like sort of trying to figure out a lot of stuff that she has a various amount of tribes calling her the anointed. She's the, you know, this person that they all believe in all of a sudden, even though beforehand she didn't have a mom. So she was cast out of the tribe because that was the rule set that they live by. And then she had all these like dichotomies of breaking down religious thought and all these different things. And I was like, there's so much more to her and to her mm. context and to the tribes around her than are in Forbidden West. And at the beginning of Forbidden West, um, they set up the idea that she's a false messiah. They set up the whole thing where they've built a statue to her and everyone around her is like, oh my God, thank you. You saved us from the machines and everything. And then she gets told from Silence, RIP Lance Reddick, that um, actually, no, that's still active. Hades is still active. And only she knows that. And I always thought that was such a great poignant thing to build off of, that everything that you have, it's a great extension of where we were in the first game. Um, this idea of like, of, um, you know, religious uh, religion being this like propellant through your life kind of thing um, and breaking that stuff down, false messiahs. And, and it's just, it's so much there that you could do. Right. They don't do anything with that whatsoever. She barely even acknowledges the fact that only she knows that the world isn't actually safe yeah. uh, or saved in that particular moment. And so for me, it was all that stuff. But for mainly, it's the writing. Every single line of dialogue just is grating as hell. I just, oh, man. It's so bland. <laughs> it, they have flattened it out, I will mm. say. They're definitely going for a more kind of... Not that Zero Dawn was not mainstream, but this is kind of trending towards yes. the trends in terms of the way the characters are written. But I'll tell you why I like the kind of embracement of modern-day colloquialisms and terminology and references. Mm. And that's because I like the fact that Aloy particularly is in this space where she's used her focus for so long. She's got all of this old-world knowledge that it kind of has changed the way that she thinks and speaks. What mm. I liked about Burning Shores in particular is that it goes to kind of great lengths to justify why she's using the words that she's using and right. why certain things are reminiscent of the old world uh, in the landscape. So there's a bit right at the very beginning where I think someone asks like what a celebrity is. I was is. just going to mention that. And that's yeah. explained. And that happens quite a few times throughout the entire game. Someone asks like what DNA is and it's up to Aloy to kind of mm. express and describe what this old world terminology actually means to people who don't know. But so, she didn't know what a celebrity was, which is kind of weird. Well, no, but I'm, I suppose if you've got all of this knowledge, you've got literally, that's why I like about it. Mm. That's what I like about it, sorry. You've got like, Aloy has access to everything that happened before, mm. you know, humanity as we know it now kind of was destroyed. And that's a lot of data to sift mm. through and she's kind of getting through it. So she knows some things, but Silence who might have, you know, interrogated a different part of human history. He knows what a celebrity is, but she doesn't. Right. And I like that they're kind of together and with uh, Seika who comes into the story in this game, they've all got like an understanding of the old world that they're mm. using to kind of almost rebuild it through language. And that does 
does, in a way, flatten the kind of sense of character that you mm. get from the world. But at the same time, as a development of the story, I kind of like that these people with these focuses, with this access, have so much more knowledge now compared to the other people that they're interacting with mm-hmm. who have no idea, you know, what any of this means. Yeah, I definitely back that as a like something I would want more of. I just feel like it's it's the world around them. All the NPCs talk the same way. Everyone everyone talks in the same way. It's almost like you sort of took the script, took the world and the context and just said, make this work for a wider audience. Mm. Tone these things down. Tone these phraseologies down, if that's a word. Uh, tone down these things that feel more context specific and just make it work for a wider audience. Um, and that, to me, that's just so jarring because it shouldn't feel like you just plucked people out of the now and just put them in different costumes. Right. Um, it should feel like an emerging humanity figuring stuff out. Um, but yeah, that's just my that's my wider bugbear with the trajectory the Horizon IP has taken. I felt like what put Zero Dawn was just so much more considered. And then I have a way, I have a whole other problem. Um, I guess spoilers for um, Forbidden West, like the general arc that that game takes, the introduction of spacefaring. <laughs> like, they're, all, they're like the um, the like Zod's henchmen in yeah. um, in the DC films, um, where it's just sort of a bunch of flying Superman dudes who can do stuff, the energy weapons and everything else, where it's like, none of this, you can do anything with this now, where it's just magical realism, whatever, and everything else felt so considered in Zero Dawn, where they explain right. how the machines work, they talk about biomass and fuel and how like, like uh, a rogue AI could harvest entire forests and power itself. And I was like, there's so much there that you just went, what if it was magic? Ah. What if they just fired beams of stuff instead? He's he's where we'll differ again, because I know we both have issues with Forbidden West's story, Mm. especially towards the end, and the Nemesis concept, which is brought up again in Zero. uh, Hilarious, I think Nemesis has the most promise to it, but we'll (laughs) see. (laughs) Interesting, okay, I didn't know that. Right, okay. The Zeniths, though, that you're referring to there, these like kind of like super people who are like these former, well, they, they... were literally humans from before the fall. They went away, they managed to live and kind of- They were like billionaires and whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally. And now they've kind of like returned in Forbidden West. I thought that was a cool idea. I liked the way they were introduced. I liked the kind of newness that they brought to the world. I liked the aesthetics of them. It is a bit, maybe potentially a little bit silly and it doesn't really vibe with the Mm. first game. But Forbidden West was already so much- of a retread of the first game from a mechanical perspective and even from mm. a visual perspective here and there that they was that was something new that was something a bit I didn't different expect that it. I, I, <laughs> I enjoyed and I like that in um, Burning Shores you get a little bit more Zenith technology you get a weapon that actually mm. is Zenith based at one point and you kind of get like just more of that integrated into the world and the mechanics and I thought that was cool, but mm. it's only cool if you like the Zenith stuff, which I immediately it's do. My, it's a core thing where, like, if Horizon is an IP, or at least it was in Zero Dawn, is the idea of what if we use primitive tools and primitive weapons up against really high-tech stuff, and you're, you're bringing them, you're bringing down a, a Thunderjaw by using traps, and you're trapping its legs, and it's falling over, and then you're stabbing it, and you're bringing it down. Like, if you, if you then just go, but what if you had a giant space cannon that could just shoot it instead? That, to me, is so much more boring. And as a, I know you've not seen Attack on Titan. No. But um, the opening of Attack on Titan, the whole premise of that show is like, what if these giant human-looking, human naked humans all came for us and we're all living in this kingdom, then these giants all came in and they just ate us and destroyed us. And it's probably like, what if the BFG was evil kind of thing? And there's tons of them. And the whole like first season of that show, like about half of that show, is like fascinating because it's like, how can we possibly fight back against this? Um, and then one of the characters realizes he can just morph into one of them and fight it. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, you just sort of, for me, you threw away what could have been the coolest thing there. 
I kind of agree because I love that part of um, Zero Dawn in particular where it does feel like you're constantly, you know, underpowered and you're going up against these mm. massive machines like you mentioned with these kind of primitive tools. The only reason I'm kind of pleased that Burning Shore inches beyond that is that I've done it. Like, I feel like right. the developers have almost gone as far as they can with that concept mm-hmm. to the point where even by the end of Zero Dawn, you're way overpowered and you're kind of taking down the uh, the T-Rex-looking monsters and uh, creatures, like, quite easily. You know, mm. you're taking off their um, rockets, you're using them against them, using the weaponry against them, and then Forbidden West kind of expands on that so much where you have this massive arsenal mm. where it's a kind of similar situation where you kind of, for me, gone beyond that idea of primitive weaponry versus advanced technology, mm. and it got to the point where I was wanting something more. If if the third game does that again, if it takes the combat of Forbidden West and just does it again, mm-hmm. adds a few more weapons, I'll personally be a bit disappointed because I've I've done that. I right. feel like they've taken that concept right to the brink, right to breaking point, and mm-hmm. I, I need something new. I need a cull of that um, arsenal, and I need new ways of taking on these enemies, for me mm-hmm. personally, because for as much as I love Forbidden West, I think I might have said this in the review discussion we had, I think that's the last time you can do that con- that, that formula. Yeah, um, my thing was just that stuff, like where you you, know, you shave off the right part of the enemy and then you have a cannon or you shave it off and you have like access to a, a better crafting component, you can build something else. Those little like momentary rewards in the moment were so short-lived that they were so worthwhile and I thought that was one of the other things that differentiated it because it was almost like the, the step in between a standard third-person action game and Monster Hunter because in Monster Hunter you have to defeat stuff and then you go back to base and then you can make stuff. Um, whereas like on the fly, if you're like, well, actually, if I shoot that part of it off, I can make this better weapon or make a shield on the fly and then I can defend against the next attack. Like improvising boss patterns in the moment, I think is a mm. great thing they could have expanded on. But then now because they've kind of gone too far too fast and made it all about, like I said, magical realism and just anything can happen now because they have, especially by the end of Forbidden West, you have the giant 3D printers that can make an entire creature in seconds. And it's like the believability of the whole thing is gone for me now where okay. it's, it's just, we're just going to make thousands of these machines machines immediately um, to try and sort of facilitate this whole idea of like advanced tech that was on another planet and um, being able to do this. And it, it for me, it, it just loses the the appeal of that, of that IP because it gets less differentiable as an IP because mm. now you're just destroying stuff with big fancy weapons like you are in everything else. Um, it's not... Um, because for me, even that you mentioned that Thunderjaw fight at the end of uh, Zero Dawn, I still thought that was imposing and fun, like fun to figure out. Right. Like, because I was like, I'm going to have to trap it and then I'm going to have to do different things. Like, I never felt like Aloy was OP in Zero Dawn. I just felt like okay. she got, well, I got used to and she got used to how to deal with these other creatures. Obviously, the arc of Zero Dawn is figuring out what lives around the tribe that you start in, the Nora. Um, but I just thought that was a great apex point of that arc. Like, it was like, I'm comfortable enough yeah. to figure this out. Um, whereas, like, now in Forbidden West and Burning Shores, Aloy just feels bored. She's just quite bored by everything around her and, like, doesn't feel driven to do anything, really. See, so I'll, I'll do some missions. I Why did not? get to that point by the end of Zero mm. Dawn where I was taking on the Thunder Jaws, and I had such an efficient um, way to defeat them that it kind of made... Punched a microphone. <laughs> you punch things out of my Can't stand it. It made those combat encounters a little stale because mm. I was doing the exact same thing of what I said there, you know, taking out the weak spots and I know would take off a massive amount of damage, taking off their weapons to use it against them, and I was just, like, rinsing those enemies mm. in a way that stopped them feeling like these big imposing things which is the arc of that game but it made me worry at the time like how do you make this bigger how do you make this bigger without sacrificing the lovely um complementary set of mechanics that you have and the idea was that they kind of didn't solve that problem in the midwest <laughs> but i was fine with it because the kind of refinements they did made they, they did make still made the combat really satisfying but like i said then i don't think you can do that for me 
in a proper sequel. When it comes to Horizon 3, I would actually love it if they introduced a brand new set of machines that didn't have the same weak spots. If you somehow mm. had an extinction event to wipe out all of the <laughs> ones you've introduced so far, mm-hmm. they've got brand new makeup, they've got a brand new makeup, they've got brand new armor, and Aloy and Co. find out that their old weapons just don't work, and right, you have to have right. a new set of weapons that kind of, like I said, culls the arsenal a little bit, focuses in again on that really satisfying mechanical framework that you mentioned of having a kind of primitive um, set of weapons mm-hmm and trying to think smartly about how to use them to take down these intimidating threats. Mm. My thing is, it's the the problem that it has is kind of where Jurassic World is, mm. where you want the dinosaurs to be imposing and terrifying and, like, magnificent, but you also want them to be, like, your friends and quite deal, and you can deal with them quite easily and you know what their weaknesses are. And, like, it's like, do you want a threat or not? Like, in Zero Dawn, they were threat, they were a threat. Like, it was a huge deal when you went outside the, the opening and then the, the more everywhere you explored, it was like, oh, my God, what am I going to find? Uh, what the hell is that thing on the horizon? Do I fight it? Do I try that? You know, not of that stuff was in Forbidden West to me because everything was just like I said Aloy felt bored by everything and then the general idea everything like you said the combat's quite samey yeah. they don't really if anything they get a, a rid of some mechanics where like they get rid of one of the dodge buttons that you had in the original it was like you know that a differentiable thing but your defensive options are so nothing it's like you can dodge out the way you can do a dive roll yeah about it like you can't do a whole lot there's not much of a parry system if anything um stuff like that I feel like kind of really comes to the surface in the DLC where it's just sort of here's more and uh, they give you like a new weapon at the beginning. I think it's called the Shadow Jack or something. And um, you can kind of use that. But yeah, I think, I don't want to just be old man moaning, but I just feel like overall there's something with Horizon where it doesn't land the same way the other IPs do. I agree. Um, yeah, and it's like, I keep seeing people on Twitter sharing pictures of how beautiful it is. And I remember thinking this when the game came out, um, no one shares gameplay clips of how awesome something was that they did because they've never improvised something unique or something cool. The thing about this game is how pretty it is and that, for me personally, only ever gets me so far. For me, Horizon has so many great parts that just don't coalesce. Mm. Ironically, considering considering it's a key feature of the game's world, it doesn't have any focus. <laughs> yeah. And that's such a shame because you're playing through Burning Shores, I think. Like, I keep using the expression, it's pushed it as far as it can go. But you mentioned the combat encounters there. And there are some good combat encounters in Burning Shores, but... There's, it's just so much. It feels like you're constantly getting attacked from off screen mm. by like prompts that you can hardly see. You're getting tooled on from the air. You're getting tooled on from the ground and the weapons don't feel satisfying enough to take on the combat encounters as they are. The whole game kind of just feels too bloated and that's why mm. I want a kind of more back to basics approach or at least like a, a cutting of a lot of the mechanics because Burning Shores is great in spurts. It has great individual parts, but again, I don't think it all quite comes together to create like a, a really satisfying whole. You mentioned there the game looks absolutely extraordinary. <laughs> there were so many times where I was just standing still watching the uh, waves hit the shore, you know, watching the kind of magma trickle down from the volcano. All of that is gorgeous. The cloud technology, and I mean that in terms of the actual clouds in the yeah, game yeah. and how they're rendered, uh, is astonishing as they were hyped up to be pre-launch. But I have issues with all of that stuff because every single thing that Burning Shores kind of teases and introduces, it does not capitalize on. Like right. the cloud technology is great, but you've got no reason to go up there. <laughs> Nothing happens in there. There's no like real good aerial combat up there or anything. You can fly near it on a really awkward feeling flight system. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You, you, they introduce a machine that allows you to dive under the water. That should be so cool. Mm. It's used for one main mission for about right. a minute, and then you don't have to use it again. 
you've got the idea of like this volcanic eruption happening, like I mentioned to you, and it looks visually interesting, mm. but it's always just there in the background. And my issue with Burning Shores, and I won't spoil this in detail, but it comes down to the final boss fight, which mm. is visually spectacular. And when it happened, my jaw kind of hit the floor. I was like, I'm so pleased they're doing this. Mm. It felt like something they could only do on a next-gen machine. And I thought, wow, they're going to kick the gameplay into gear here. They're going to give you something you've never done in a Horizon game. All of the ingredients are there. It's all there on paper for them to just kick this up, evolve the gameplay, introduce a new thing at the end to get you excited for Horizon 3, Mm. and that doesn't happen. Again, like the volcano, it's a spectacular thing, but you're separated from it. You're doing the basic Horizon stuff while someone else actually does the thing that you want to do in gameplay. And that was just such a shame. I know it's a piece of DLC. I know it's only $20, £15, Mm. and it is quite short. It's not like a massive blood blood and wine style expansion. It's not Horizon 3, but I wanted them to give me a taste of what Horizon 3 could be here. Mm. And if this is a taste of that, it's just Forbidden West again, but bigger and prettier, which is what <laughs> Forbidden West was to Zero Dawn. And that's like, oh man, I just want this game in this series to fulfill its potential from a gameplay perspective. Which is entirely where I'm at. Like I thought they would do so much more uh, mechanically with the idea of you have a, a specific tool set. How are you going to apply that to various other creatures that can you know, have all these different parts that you need to shave off them or different uh, attack methods. I attack everything the exact same way. Like you, yeah, you me too. put the focus on, yeah, you, you siphon through. Okay, that, that literally just says weakness. That thing says it's detachable. That thing says it's going to explode. Um, you know, I'll hit triangle on all of them so that they glow purple when I'm outside the vision and then I'll just aim for the weak spots. Like, you know, everyone got really annoyed when the Suicide Squad footage did that from the off. But we're doing the same thing in Horizon. It's just that you have to manually pick the weak spots. Yeah. But like, it's the same approach, really. Um, and so it's one of those things where like it's not the uh, it's not visually satisfying and it's chunky enough, but yeah, it's one of those things where I'm I'm fighting everything the same way. And I think it's a weird beat because in Forbidden West they tried to make it more of a RPG. Like they were like, okay, we're gonna have like character classes for Aloy and different powers that you trigger and everything. Um, but then somewhere along the way, they were like, well, we still need to make it so that every enemy is beatable by every enemy, uh, class. Yeah. Or we're going to have to make it so that the enemies change or mutate or react to you in some way. And that's a way bigger redesign of the whole thing. And so it's just, they've landed on this weird thing where you can kind of stealth around enemies, but then quite a lot of them will find you anyway. Um, or they'll do some sort of AOE attack that'll just burst you out of the grass anyway. Um, things like that where it just feels like I'm on the edge of how it should be working and I've like found my way through it. Like I, my Aloy is like an archer with a notch three arrows and whatever. Um, so I love that. Um, I mean, everyone's is an archer, but I've went, <laughs> I've went down the range tree. Um, but it just feels like that's now what I have to do because, mm. um, you know, I'm just sort of like stuck with a, a lack of other defensive options or ways to, um, you know, enemy designs that aren't like pushing me in, in different directions or anything, or even really challenging the way I've built her. Right. Like, I still just dodge out the way, do an arrow back at them, whatever. I, I must admit, Forbidden West, from that mechanical perspective, did do enough for me personally to encourage a lot of different weapon switching. Mm. I was doing what I was doing in the first game. Like Obviously, the the, the core um, bow and arrow was key, but I, mm. I was you know swapping to the kind of sharp shot bow. Is that how you pronounce it? Sharp shooter bow. You know, it's kind of like a heavy hitting sniper rifle 
for lack of a better term, mm. version of the bow and arrow. I used the um the like the javelins so much, the explosive javelins that you could stick into things. Yeah, they're great. Tear off the armor. I, I I did do a lot of weapon switching in that game. I do a lot of weapon switching, but I'm just talking about like the 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 techniques that you're employing. Like yeah, right. switch weapons, but I'm not like rethinking a fight. Like true boss pattern wise or enemy pattern wise or AI wise or anything. I was I must admit I was a little bit. Okay. I, I found the main game and Burning Shores difficult in a way that encouraged me to have to think differently. I mm. couldn't approach every fight the same way because I'll get tooled on. But I think Burning Shores is too hard, like I right, was alluding okay. to earlier, where it feels more unfair. It doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like I'm, I've am i picked the wrong strategy. It just feels like there is so much happening yeah. that I couldn't possibly react to it. Mm-hmm. And that is that is a shame. There are positives I want to I want to talk about, yeah. but if you've got anything else to jump into. No, no, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I, I would uh, second your thing about like some of the combat encounters they sort of force you into. Like the bit where I'm at, where I sort of was like, oh my God, I'm so not enjoying this. And um, was they do a weird puzzle where you got to try and figure out a date uh, for something that it's just, it's quite obtuse. And you sort of go back and forward into this like data set. You're trying to find some numbers and then you got to put it into a keypad. And then Aloy and Seiko are like, I don't think it's that. And I was like, I can't keep going back and forth. I just want to play a horizon if you're going to let me do it. Um, but then the bit after that, you get into this fight with a whole bunch of different birds and you can run around them to get to the campfire to save. But then your mission objective is still kill the machines. And I, I, old Zero Dawn me is like, well, why do I need to engage with them? Like that was one of those things where I was like, can I not just, I'm already past them. I don't need yeah. to go back and fight them. Um, but then when you actually do fight them, it's all AOE attacks. It's all splash damage. It's all them doing fireball attacks from off screen. And I was like, this is just not a good combat encounter. I had a similar situation that was really frustrating and it kind of illuminated the game's limitations. Uh, I think it might be a little bit before what you mentioned there where Mm. you have two of the new frog enemies which are really difficult (laughs) to take down and you need to uh, essentially disable two locks and the Mm. way to do that is you have to pry it open with your staff and then Seika has to kind of shoot it. Mm. You're allowed to stealth the first lock. You can sneak around the big frog. You can do the the motion and Seika will shoot it. Mm. You can technically stealth to the second one, but no matter how much distance you have from the enemies and Mm -hmm. how easy you pry it open without being seen, for whatever reason, your companion always engages combat, even Uh, when there's no reason to, and it's like, we can do it. I've stealthed here. Yes. Like, you've given me the option, game, to do this. You put the points into that as well. Absolutely, and you're now arbitrarily getting me into this fight, and Mm. stuff like that is just like... There's not enough freedom there, I don't think, like what you were alluding to earlier. And it's just, it's a shame when you can see the kind of um, staging or and scripting of encounters in that way, where you just kind of think like, why? Why are you not allowing me to play it this way when you've given me the option, mm-hmm. but it's only the illusion of an option? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. 
With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I think as well, it's worth saying for my point of view that I'm not against Aloy being this sort of like machine destroying badass. Like I'm definitely up for her being more comfortable with the threat that is around her that she you know, walks into in Zero Dawn. It's just the way that that comes across where it just feels like a constant stumble through those fights where it's just lots of dodging. Um, it doesn't feel like I said, doesn't, you get a couple of showy moves. Like if um, a creature goes down, you can sort of grapple towards it and then go into a killing strike. And it's like, that looks cool. I like I like the flair that Aloy is sort of busting out every now and then. Um, but it doesn't feel like a cohesive hole for that. Yeah. Um, God of War feels like a cohesive hole in terms of like the, the combat for that, for Kratos. Um, and even for Atreus' stuff, like it has flair to it. Like there's dodges and rolls and spins and stuff. Whereas like Horizon just kind of feels a bit scrabbly. It's like, we want it to be this RPG combat system. We kind of want it to have a bit of third person action flare and we can't really decide so it's a bit of everything yeah um and uh yeah and then we also in the background we have all these different options that you might have put points into so we kind of need to cater to that and um, which waters down the enemies i just there's a whole thing there where it just we said it just doesn't coalesce it doesn't really click um but it's not that it isn't beautiful it's not that you can't have some fun with it i just i will always just hold zero dawn so high um, and just kind of Forbidden West for me was just such a step down. And then I didn't really rate uh, Frozen Wilds DLC that much. I thought right. it was solid enough. I like the fight against the, um, I think it's a Sunwing. Um, you do an aerial fight towards the end of that DLC. I thought that was cool. Um, but it was just more Horizon. But at the time, I was like, cool, I'll take more Horizon. I'm loving this IP. Right. Um, and at the time, you hadn't done so much combat to be exhausted. So it was like, okay. Um, whereas now, Forbidden West is in itself quite exhausting, at least it is to me. Um, the Burning Shore has just been like, do you want some more of this sort of beige writing and everything? I'm like, I actually kind of don't. Yeah. You're not really bringing this back. I think that's fair. Like I said, I'm going to jump into some positives before I kind yes. of wrap my thoughts up on it. Because we've gone longer than I expected. We have a little bit. Shows. We kind of thought we might. But, yeah. <laughs> we thought we might, but I, didn't, I still didn't expect to go this long. Uh, there's still we a lot. We haven't talked about Nemesis yet. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot I like in 
Burning Shores. I actually love Aloy's character in Burning Shores. I, I went off her in Forbidden West. Okay. I thought she was the most boring part yeah. of her own game, which was such a shame. All of the other characters she interacted with, I thought had way more personality, had way more going on. Mm. And I kind of thought she felt in the background a little bit. Here she is front and center. I love the voice work. I love the little <laughs> emotional tells that she has in her actual animation and performance. Mm-hmm. There are cool interactions with other NPCs. She's just really good. Right. I, I like it. It's made me love Aloy again. In that, it's made me love uh, her story again, and I'm looking forward to what she does in uh, Horizon 3. I also love the visuals. I like some of the combat encounters. I like where the story ends off, Mm -hmm. and it is more Forbidden West, and if you like Forbidden West, I think you'd enjoy this. It just is a shame for me because there's so much potential in this DLC, like mm. I said, with it being a PS5 exclusive, with it introducing a few interesting ideas and a lot of verticality in this play space. It's just ultimately a kind of 7 out of 10 experience where the mm. promise is there. It's mm. just that this is not the finished article. And I was expecting the finished article. I was expecting a real um, kind of you know, putting our foot down, this is what Horizon 3 could be, or at least here are a few ideas that could be in that game. And it's kind of, it's not, it is just more Horizon Forbidden West, for better or worse. I think that is what Horizon 3 will be. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I I feel like Horizon as an IP now is in such a different space where it's just by sheer reality of you've got, you know, Sony, heads of Sony have switched over. You've got the Jim Ryan era. You've got a more sort of franchise widening era in Sony. um, And they need Horizon to be something more than it was when it started, at least to my like assumptions. I don't know, obviously know anything about the reality of it. It just feels like that. It feels like what started as quite a, a passionate, focused, original, because it was Guerrilla. Like obviously the whole thing of like they did Killzone for like 11 years at that point, maybe even 12 years or 13 years. It was a while. And uh, when they finally came out, Horizon was this burst of color. It was like they opened the door to the outside world after being stuck in a dungeon for so long. And you could feel it. You could feel it in that game. And then now it's just this I don't know, like corporate entity where it needs to hold up all these other uh, franchise bets that they want to place. Like I said, in the, in the wide and the other media and everything. And for those to happen, it needs to be a safe, the game at the core needs to be safe or safer. Um, and to me, I always feel like I pick up on that stuff. It's definitely what's sticking out to me. And, and I can zero it in, zero it on, on the writing itself. Um, that really sticks out. And um, we should uh, quickly talk about Nemesis stuff. Yeah. Because um, you were laughing about that before, because the end of um, Forbidden West, and again, spoilers, only for Forbidden West, um, is that, that game reveals that the spacefaring people uh, are coming to Earth because there's like a, a living embodiment of the internet. Yeah. Uh, has ostensibly taken form um, and is destroying everything. And uh, it's on the way to Earth. And that's why they were trying to escape it and trying to live somewhere else um, and that thing is on its way back to earth now philosophically i like that because if the internet did take form and it took all the hate and all the thoughts and all the stuff that we put into it collectively what would that entity do mm. it probably would try and wipe us off the face of the earth i think that's really interesting as a talking point um, and as a like i said as a general sort of philosophical thing or just a sci-fi idea so that has potential because it ties into the the wider stuff of horizon to what horizon used to sort of be about uh, or could be about which is just sort of like i said like religious doctrines or um, you know diff- the different things that propel us through life and like like i said like the remnants of humanity that we leave behind and what have we left online what do we put online do we put our real selves online and if that took form what would it look like i think there's a lot there that they absolutely won't do anything with no um but there's a lot of potential there i was playing through burning shores and i realized that forbidden west and burning shores in particular reminded me a lot of the mass effect series in terms of its presentation in terms right. of its formula in terms of its rpg um, aspirations, but in particular with Nemesis, which I get such Reaper vibes from the Nemesis, like yeah. this thing coming from 
out of space coming from like a galactic <laughs> black hole to kind of destroy everything you know and love. And there are so many interactions in Burning Shores where Aloy has this knowledge and she doesn't know if she wants to tell anybody about mm. the impending end of the world because that is going to be morale crushing and how would you live knowing the world is going to die, which again in itself is kind of an interesting yeah, uh, question. But I worry that it's going to go the Mass Effect 3 route and not fulfill the promise of those um, mm. questions and kind of just give you a cop-out, potentially cop-out ending of, well, ah, we actually beat that insane threat that was going to destroy everything because <laughs> how is how can you build a satisfying conclusion when the threat is that big without True. it feeling like a little bit like you've undersold it or you've undermined it? I don't know. It's a, it's the- a lifelong sci-fi Conundrum, I suppose. Yeah, for me, it, w- it would have to be some sort of like a, it's a conversation-based battle where like you don't even really need to fight it because mm. there's something about the value of humanity that whatever there's something about the value of existence or something something that it didn't comprehend something that's not worth wiping out yeah. uh, which would have to tie back into all the stuff that Aloy's discovered to that point or whatever. Um, but yeah, I feel like the the whole nemesis thing. I mean that that final fight in um, Forbidden West was in itself so ridiculous that yeah. giant shape shifting thing. Um, that I wonder if that'll just be it. It'll just be various floating parts yeah. that are like held together with different floating weak spots and everything. So let's get away from Horizon stuff because um, there are other video games in the world and I Street know. Fighter Six just got a demo. Um, I don't know why you're, you're not uh, that bothered about Street Fighter. I don't think. I'm bad at it. I'm really bad <laughs> at it. Like I, I, I love Street Fighter if I was good at it. Uh, I, just, I suck. I have tried. I've tried to play Street Fighter 4. I tried okay. to play Street Fighter 2. I played a little bit of Street Fighter 5. I'm just bad at it, man. I'm really so they, not good. They, Capcom, have made a Street Fighter to try and get everybody else in. Like okay. the general presentation of it is very inviting. They, obviously, they've kind of revamped a lot of the character art and everything. And it's the first one since 2015 because then obviously they bought Street Fighter 5 a lot of people barely even class that as a Street Fighter anyway considering how sort of seismic uh, part 4 was this one has an overhauled control scheme so if you don't want to play classic um, you can just put it on modern and that um, gets away from that you don't have to do you know down diagonal forward punch to do a fireball you just push forward and triangle Okay. and so like they've put like uh, four other characters moves on directions and triangles so if you want to just dive in and do the moves mm. without worrying about all these different inputs and stuff you can it's sets off the weird TV settings part of my brain that's like, I should be playing on the classic because I'm a classic man. But at the same time, modern is so much easier. Um, even though, um, I mean, I'm not a huge Street Fighter fan. I'm a big fan of the franchise, but I haven't, um, I'm not like playing online or anything. I'm not able to hang in that space. So it's one of those things where I, uh, the modern is definitely faster. Like it's right. just, it just is easier. You can also put auto combos on if you just want to hold a button and do an auto combo. Okay. Uh, which Tekken 7 had and, uh, and MK11 had as well, I think. Um, but it feels like a general thing that the fight game space is doing it's like okay everyone knows what fighting games are and people for the most part go that's not for me it's like how do we get you back in like how do we actually make this palatable for people who think that fighting games are only the esports level stuff it's 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 very much a me thing with street Mm. fighter it's the aesthetic doesn't appeal to me and this new version of it with the street graffiti and stuff doesn't appeal to me heaven the um actual fighting itself in that kind of like 2d sort of how would you even describe it almost um, it's it's kinetic, but it's it's also janky, but intentionally right. janky. If uh, that makes sense, uh, that also doesn't vibe for me. So Street Fighter's got a specific like it's not they're not they are canned animations. They hit a button, you'll do a specific punch, yeah. and then if you want it, they class it as a combo where it's like punch and then kick and then whatever. But like in Tekken, it was a flow, and exactly. then like Dead or Alive, it's a flow. Like people love Street Fighter for it's like segmented. I know exactly what I'm doing approach, but I know exactly what you. You mean. have described it perfectly. That is exactly <laughs> what I don't 
like about Street Fighter, and again, right. it's a me thing. I like the kind of scrappiness flow of a Tekken or a Mortal Kombat more, mm. and I like the aesthetics of those games more, and the story of those games more, and the characters of those games more. So when it comes to fighting games, Scott Tilford, <laughs> I'll probably sit Street Fighter Six out because it's not my thing, but mm. I will be playing Tekken, and I will be playing the inevitable Mortal Kombat 12. But tell me more about this demo, because the game's introducing like a lot of new features to the table, especially yeah, yeah, with the story like- mode. Do you get any thing from that in the yeah, demo? Yeah, so it's a it's a three-way split demo, so you can do uh, a little slice of the story where you make a you can make an absolutely monstrous character. There are buttock sliders and everything. Wow, I mean, I'm a, back in. You want to have a giant buttock, you absolutely can. And uh, yeah, and they, they have a whole thing. It kind of like Biomutants, where it's like they tell you, like, hey, the length of your limbs is going to affect your attack range, um, and whether you're, t- I think if you're taller, you can take more damage. And um, there's a whole thing about, like, the, the literal physicality of your character translates into, like, yeah, different damage amounts and everything, which is a cool idea. Hmm. Um, and the story mode, I've not done uh, hardly any of that. Yeah, um, but that is just a, an idea. You make a character, you do some training. You're hanging out with a new character called Luke, and you're sort of like an understudy of his or whatever. And then you go out into the streets and you can run around and punch NPCs and do stuff like that and get into proper fights and everything. Um, I'm mainly saving that for when I get the full game. Uh, I'm not going to Street Fighter for a single player story necessarily. Although I am curious what they've done because I feel like the single player portions of fighting games have really stepped up. Like oh, Tekken yeah. Seven had a cinematic one. MK9 really blew it out. Um, that's obviously set the bar. I feel like no one's got anywhere near 2011's MK9. Um, but still, uh, you also get just like standard arcade. You can do just a one-on-one. There's only two characters. There's only Luke and Ryu. Um, but I mean, I'm, I, like, I like Ryu enough. So I was like, cool, I'll just play as him. Luke's solid enough. Is, uh, yeah. is, is, is Luke new or is he a legacy character? No, Luke is new as far as I know. Thank God. Yeah. I was like, I've never heard of Luke before. No, as far Street as I Fighter. know, Luke is brand new. I, I've never seen him before unless I'm missing some weird spin-off thing. But uh, but yeah, so there's him. Um, but yeah, they've got a bunch of new stuff in. Obviously, they've got the options for the control schemes and everything. It's very, very friendly for new players. Like they're very much making sure you understand everything. Um, to the point where it's like, move move right on the analog stick. And hey, you went right. That's what right does. Do you want to go left? And it's just like, okay, cool. Um, but they've also brought stuff in like um, combo breakers and like being able to like tank more hits. And like, they're just on the modern control scheme. They're just a single button away. Yeah. Um, so it's like super easy to just, if you're getting punished as a fighting game team, you're getting absolutely wailed on, just hitting a button and being like, no, actually, I'm going to come right through that and punch back out of it again. Um, and so putting things like that in that I think help with just fighting game staples, things that, like, if you've played a fighting game with a friend who knows their fighting games, you've been obliterated and you've hated it. And so they've tried to give you mechanics that would let you at least break that momentum for a bit. Yeah. And then maybe uh, fire back in your own way. Maybe if you were fighting someone who was quite new to fighting games, they were getting wailed on, they did the move that lets them sort of break out of it. I think it's called a drive chain or something. And you break out of that, and then maybe they have the auto combos on, or they have some sort of simplified input, and they can actually have a fight with their friend who is really good at fighting games. Um, that's kind of a cool idea, like, yeah. the way of like raising people up again. I think that's absolutely viable. It feels like it is. I, I mean, again, I'm speaking as an outsider on this, but Street Fighter has always seemed like the most imposing fighting game Holy. to that get virtual into. Fighter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that and Virtual Fighter. <laughs> but even then, I would say I managed to get into Virtua Fighter in a way that I'd never got into Street Fighter in not like massively, uh, but I played a lot of Virtua Fighter 4 or 5, whatever the Xbox 360 one was. Yeah, one of them. Uh, but the point is, yeah, I always thought that was, even that was a little bit more accessible. Considering how big of a name Street Fighter is, mm. I've always found it so imposing. Maybe that's just a me thing, but it sounds like they're catering to players like me who yeah. have always found it quite intimidating and now have this access point. You've played it twice now, if yes, I recall. I've played it that thing I did, EGX. EGX. Yeah. You played at EGX as well, and I feel like you've been sold on the game oh, since dude, yeah, then. It's beautiful. 
the core of it seems great, but is this going to be a Halo Infinite situation <laughs> where the core of it in the gameplay is solid? Mm. How is everything else? Is this going to be a Street Fighter Five situation where there's mm. like a lack of content? I know you mentioned this, this demo split between the three big pillars, but do those pillars feel substantial enough for this to be like a proper installment? Oh yeah, man. I think like they've had eight years to get it right. Like, I mean, it was like, 20, like 2015's Street Fighter, Street Fighter Five in 2015 was, was abysmal. It was an abomination. Like it was the thing that they kicked out the door because they had an esports tournament to plan and they needed the versus mode to work and everything else just was patched in later and it's not that Street Fighter 5 didn't look beautiful but it was just this weird piecemeal rollout corporate business minded thing um, that just didn't feel good like at all I'm going to say something here, and I have no substantiated evidence to back it up. But is it like a Star Trek situation where every other Street Fighter is good? Because no one talks about Street Fighter 1. Everyone talks about Street Fighter 2. <laughs> I actually have never heard anyone talk about Street Fighter 3. Oh, my God. Is that a good yes. installment? Right. 3 is a huge deal. Is it? I've yeah. never heard anyone talk Street Fighter 3. <laughs> but people love Street Fighter 4. People didn't like Street Fighter 5. And now people seem to Five like Street is, Fighter 6. People ignore 1 because it's almost like, it's not a different thing. But 1 just has a different art style. It doesn't. It's not as kinetic. It doesn't flow very well. Two is where they tighten stuff up. Two is the one because it just it just felt so good. It was like 1992 or whatever. It was so media. Um, I mean, there's like 20 versions of each one because yeah. they re-release them so much. Um, three, oh my God, is it Alpha Turbo? I forget which one I had on the PS1, but that was my first one. Um, and so Street Fighter 3 is like, people love the art style of 3. There was a whole era that Capcom went through in, in the 90s where everything just had this beautiful flow to it. Three okay. flows, three absolutely goes. It's gorgeous. Um, at least one of the versions does. Um, and it's really, really cool. But yeah, people like 4 is what brought fighting games back. Yeah. There was a whole thing in the 2000s where it was like, oh, is this genre too outdated? And then 4 came back and then it was that was why 5 was such a massive failing because it was like, you guys are meant to be the guys. The other one's holding the flag up for this. Um, but yeah, for 6 though, like for better or worse, it is so uh, all-encompassing in that whole, like you said, graffiti, like the hip-hop music, like it's going for a really specific vibe that I absolutely love. I can totally go with it. Um, and I think it's really, really, it comes through in the menus, it comes through, it's just a really like refined package. Um, and that's obviously extends into the story mode. They're trying all these things. Even the online, uh, the lobbies, um, you can go up to like an arcade machine with another player and just play Street Fighter 2 or 3 or whatever. Cool. Um, which is a really cool way of killing time in between bouts if you're doing a winner stays on thing or whatever. Um, so I think they've even thought of that and that compared to all we had was a one-on-one -on -one versus mode in five <laughs> is like leagues ahead so yeah for better or worse they've really committed to this like graffiti like sort of like street urban style thing um, which like I said I absolutely love but there are already conversations on does the music suck does the music feel like Street Fighter should it be better and uh, I get all that but I, I like um, an IP this big taking what contextually is a huge risk um, and I, I think, but I think it fits them totally. Me too. I mean, I, I, I do back the decision to do that mm. in its in a kind of a general. I mean, I love Tekken Four, and a lot yeah. of people didn't like the changes that game made mm. uh, to the fighting and the aesthetics and the tone and what have you. But Jin's hoodie though. Jin's hoodie was so oh. good oh. For, for a for a young lad of my age when <laughs> Tekken Four came out. It was um, aesthetic defining. Put yeah, it that man. way. I wanted that hoodie. Um, so bad. I kind of would like to see a Tekken return to that sort of aesthetic. You can um, dress everyone in their four costumes in seven. You can, but it's it's all about tone, right? It's all <laughs> yeah. about like the way the 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 announcer works, or the way the levels look, or the kind of like it's not gritty for, mm. but it is in comparison to other Tekken games. So it's like the the, the costumes are there, but I don't want to cosplay for. Right, I want right. Four's world back <laughs> for at least one more or a DLC, please. Uh -huh. uh, so like the idea of that, I love Street Fighter doing something potentially a little bit similar to try and freshen things up. It's mm -hmm. just the thing they've chosen is unfortunately not appealing to my eyes. No, I, and I, I like the reaction to it after the demo came out 
out when more people have played it is the same kind of thing. It was a lot of people just going like, ah, it's mostly the music's having a bit of a reaction to people. Obviously, everyone loves the character models. Giant, wide thigh Chun-Li is uh, the, new, the new Lady Dimitrescu as far as right, uh, okay. the, the, the horn goes. Um, but yeah, I feel like overall, I like just how much they've committed to it. If they're going to do something like this, um, I, I like that they've kind of gone uh, gone uh, fully into it. So yeah, I'm a huge fan. Uh, the, the demo's available for everybody. Um, I forget exactly when Street Fighter 6 is out, but it's cool getting like a, just a nice, playable, well-performing slice of that game. And I like that they give you a little bit of the story as well. Yeah. Because um, you can just sit and make a ridiculous looking character if you want to, um, which is fun. Um, you've been playing Dead Island 2. You finished? Oh, you've played a lot of Dead Island 2. Did the review and everything. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. won't spend too long on that because the review is up on the channel. Uh, yes. You sat in on that. I talked at you about you Dead did. Island 2 for a lot. But I want to do it again because I've not actually properly talked about it on the podcast. I feel like I'm going to get this game. I think you'll enjoy the game. People are sharing, speaking of, you know, people sharing uh, beautiful looking images from Horizon, people sharing stuff from Dead Island. And you said it is the most next gen looking or feeling game in quite some time. Yeah. It really is. I need, I need to, that's been a bugbear all weekend. <laughs> we, we put the uh, the review up and I said in that review, we put it on the thumbnail, that it's like one of the most next gen mm-hmm. feeling games that I've played. And I stand by that. Mm-hmm. And people in the comments were saying like, it looks like a PS3 game. It looks like an Xbox 360 game. And to, and to that I say, buddy, I wish I had your PS3. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a PS3 that looked this good. Yeah, you're misremembering that generation. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't speak for the the quote-unquote last-gen versions of Dead Island, Island 2 because it did come out on the PS4 and whatnot, so I don't know how they stand okay. up. But the PS... No, the Xbox Series X version, sorry, that I played is graphically incredible. Mm. Like, the fidelity is awesome. We've talked at length about the gauze system. That's incredible. But it's just, like, the vistas. It's the attention to detail. It's the fact that I have no idea why the artists put so much time into building these environments and levels, but I'm so pleased they did, because <laughs> each one I want to pour through. Some of the best-looking like, gas stations I've ever seen. <laughs> best-looking hotel rooms. I want to live in the world that Dead Island 2 uh, conveys okay. without the zombies because it would be the most opulent thing in the right. entire world. You, I, I, I was wowed by the visuals. I was wowed by the level design. The gameplay is just like a refined version of Dead Island 1, which mm. might not be enough for some people because it's been nine years since that came out, mm-hmm. but it was enough for me. I think, you know, the story has its issues. It is a little bit repetitive, but it's a great game to just play it. It's a mm. great game to just jump into. Is it worth full price? Your mileage is going to vary on that. Like, it's going to be a great game to get in a sale or a great game to get on Game Pass or a PlayStation Plus equivalent. And when it does come down in price and more people take a punt in it, I think they'll be pleasantly surprised. Mm. It's hard to put it up. We got a question on the UBP ah. uh, on Friday. Someone asking, like, if they should spend their birthday money on this. <laughs> And that's why I bring up the full price issue because it's like there are so many good games right now and so many good mm. games coming up. Uh, like, you know, Zelda next month. We've had Resident Evil 4 just a few weeks ago. It can't go head-to-head with those games at all, I don't think. But taken in a vacuum, if you like Dead Island 1, if you mm. like zombies, if you like kind of smaller but explorable worlds, like Dead Island 2 would be well up um, your street. I mm-hmm. think, you know, it has flaws, like I said. It's like a 7.5 out of 10, a three and a half star game. Mm. But it's a, it's a really good version of what it sets out to be. I need to know, does the frame rate performance hold up when you're going crazy in these like really ray traced and beautiful environments? Because I've seen uh, our own Dan Durkin was sharing some footage of like a kitchen level that's doing the rounds on Twitter at the minute where everything is shiny. It looks yeah. beautiful. It looks realistic. Look, well, it looks ridiculous, but it's realistic enough. Um, and there's some really big panels of glass there. And I've seen pictures of a zombie flying through that panel of glass. And all I want to do is kick dudes through glass. So yeah. how good is the how good is the glass dude ratio here? The, 
the glass dude, there's a lot of glass that you can Good. kick dudes through. Good. And it's got the kind of, and I hesitate to say this, it's got the kind of like arcane style level design okay. where you'll have a locked door and you're kind of thinking, oh man, where's the key? Mm. Then you realize you can just smash the glass <laughs> and jump in from the side. It's got that kind like of- red faction. Yeah, that's got like that free form approach to level design. But you mentioned like performance and stuff. How does it uh, hold up under all of this, you know, technological weight? Mm. Really well. Good. It, okay. uh, I mean, we, met, we talked about this in the- um, review, but it's worth reiterating mm. and just how good it runs. You know, I've come off something even like Resident Evil 4, which I love. I think it's a better game, but the performance of that wasn't great at launch. Mm. The frame rate stuttered, whether you had it on frame rate mode or quality mode. It had some weird artifacting. The foliage looked incredibly bad in Resident Evil 4. It had these kind of technical shortcomings mm. that Dead Island 2 just doesn't have. And that's why I <laughs> refer to it as a next-gen experience, because it's not just the visuals, mm. it's how it performs. It's that you have all of these cool um, visual effects mm. that aren't being tanked, that don't have any kind of visual drawbacks. You know, it's not a Final Fantasy VII situation where you have these lovely looking character models, these lovely looking landscapes. Mm. But if you look at the textures, they're like <laughs> PS1 level. You can't read it or anything. It's all blurry. Yeah. It doesn't have those obvious, obvious drawbacks. And I think that's obviously helped by the limited scope of the world by the potential lack of ambition in the combat. Like I said, it's just a refined version of Dead Island <laughs> 1. But, go on. 2023, and you using words like um, lack of ambition <laughs> and the focus, and it's all refined, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll actually be, bit, I can finish it, it'll actually be playable, and like, it'll work, and I'm not waiting for a patch, and I was like, oh my god, and there was a thing where you said, like, it's a game you can play, I'm like, yeah, it is, oh my god, like this state of gaming is no. so all over the oh. shop that I will just take a video game that actually effing works. Yeah, man, like, I completely agree with what you're saying there. It feels like such a backhanded compliment to say these things, <laughs> like, it lacks ambition. It's awesome. It it, it, <laughs> it, it it actually works, and you're not waiting for patches. It's so great. Uh, but like you said, it's testament to where gaming is right now, that you get a nice, focused 20-hour experience that is technically proficient mm. and actually polished, and you kind of come away from a 7.5 out of 10 game thinking like it's the best thing you ever played. Uh, <laughs> but it is it is still, you know, like I said, that's really backhanded, but it, there's a lot of work that's gone into it. There's a lot of quality on display. Mm. And I think I mentioned this in the review as well, but it made me excited for where Dan Buster Studios will take this franchise with the next game. Hopefully it doesn't take another nine years. Hopefully they get it out uh, much quicker than that. Mm. But it's there's a cough framework there that I really, really enjoyed. And uh, Do you prefer yeah. it to Dying Light 2? I do. Yeah, oh, man, it. if we're talking about that. Dying Light 2 has the Horizon Forbidden West issue where ah. I loved Dying Light and that extrapolated so much. It added on so much that mm. it lost the focus. Dying right, Light okay. 2 to me was just so bloated. That was a game not lacking in ambition, mm. but couldn't grasp those ambitions. For me personally, I didn't think the stuff that they introduced with the story was well executed. The choices that you got mm. weren't interesting. I thought the combat was uh, diluted with the options that were adding. Even the parkour didn't feel amazing mm. to me in that game. It just felt like they'd gone so big that they'd spent so much time and money on the sequel. Mm. It was infamously delayed and not as long as Dead Island 2, but still, <laughs> you know, it was delayed a long time, but that just resulted in a big game, but a game that wasn't as Just big for the sake of being big. Yeah, big for the sake of being big wasn't as strong as its predecessor. So if we're putting those two games side by side, I actually kind of hated my time with Dying Light 2. So much of it mm. frustrated me. I was pleased when that game was over. Whereas Dead Island 2, 
I thought I could take more of that. You know? I mean, the thing, I think it's fascinating that both games, they're always compared to each other. Obviously, they sort of like quasi-shared a dev back in the day because one team went to another. But I feel like because Dead Island 2 was sort of passed around for so much and I think Techland were involved at one point then it was passed over and whatever, um, there's just that whole thing where it's just like now where we are comparing them again and it's like Dead Island has managed to kind of pull out in front but like in a sort of more subtle way where it's like if you happen to check it out, it's actually great. Yeah. But they sort of um, fell back on a couple of teaser trailers and there's not that much screaming, oh my God, it's out whereas Dying Light 2 was all over the place like and then they yeah. had to remind everybody it still existed because there were all the reports that it was shutting down um, but yeah it's cool that at least one of these two is actually super recommendable absolutely and it's funny because I played Dying Light 2 around this time last year mm. and was having a terrible time and coming on this podcast and doing <laughs> videos going I'm so disappointed whereas here I'm, I'm like I'm so pleasantly surprised yeah. by it I think it's interesting as well that of course the game has been nine years in the making but Dampus' studios at least according to my research that I was mm. doing only got it in 2019 yeah. So they've had like three years max to work on this game. Mm. And that's impressive. Like what they've managed to put out in those three years, mm. taking on a, a, a production with such a difficult reputation makes me excited for the future. Like mm. what can they build? I know they've built this from scratch, but what can they do with, you know, a, di a Dead Island 3 that's kind of all theirs? Mm. They might have a little bit more time, maybe some more resources to, to, to kind of create it rather than salvage mm -hmm a bunch of ideas that were no doubt given to them. That mm -hmm. makes me really uh, intrigued. Yeah, man, I think over the finish line, that always, always going to be like a feat, but it's like, I'm glad that it's not a Duke Nukem Forever situation where it is, actually, like I said, it's actually recommendable. And I think it's like 50 pounds in the UK. Yeah. And I keep looking at that going like, I, I really want to throw people through glass. So yeah. I, I might just have to do it. Well, like you love ragdolls, man. I it, do so much. Good ragdolls in here. Like I was telling you, maybe on a uh, in the review or maybe just in the office, like <laughs> you can take a big ax, you can chop a zombie's leg off and, uh, they'll, and they'll jump into the air and they'll fall <laughs> floor and he can stamp on their head and it's the goriest thing you've ever seen since okay. MK11's fatalities and it, it sounds like I'm overhyping it but it's just when, the, when a good game is out that you like you want to kind of celebrate it and we talk so much on the podcast mm. and on the channel about you know the 10 out of 10s must that you must play mm. but there's a space in this industry for the good games yeah. not just the amazing games and I like shouting out the good games because you're delivering this like you're on a podium I in am, front of I'm millions. I'm smashing my hand <laughs> off the table. Like I'm giving, I'm on my soapbox right now because we we have, and I'm guilty of this myself, mm. potentially like a binary view of games. They're right. either terrible and not worth playing or they're amazing and we're going to talk about them forever. Mm. And it's like, nah, man, you can find good things in a bad game. You can find bad things in a good game. And there are things within that spectrum that shouldn't necessarily be overlooked. They also shouldn't necessarily be bought for full price, <laughs> but it's not a kind of out of sight, out of mind thing. And I'll step down off this soapbox now. <laughs> I can only uh, back everything that you just said more. Sometimes the most fascinating games on this earth are six or seven. Uh, and the early, the early eights or the low eights. Um, but for now, this has been The Wind-Up. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. And we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs>
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.